I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. I looked to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. In music, there is a term for a song that is written to disparage or to attack another artist. It's called a diss track, right? One of the first diss tracks was Yankee Doodle. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Way back in the 1700s, it was used by the British troops to mock the colonials. The interesting thing is, is this diss track, this track that was made to uh, or sung, this song that was sung to make fun of someone else actually became an anthem. According to an article from uh, abcnews.com, the song Yankee Doodle became popular among the British, but it also became popular among the rebels. A doodle was a simpleton, it was, uh, a f and the phrase stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni, implied the backwoods bumpkins could put a feather in their coonskin cap and think they were as elegant as a European in the latest Italian style that was called the macaroni. The American army embraced the mocking song, and when General Cornwallis's troops surrendered at Yorktown to end the war, they marched out of the fort playing the world turned upside down. But they were met by an American band, and the American band was playing Yankee Doodle. The diss track became an anthem. Today we're continuing our series, uh, Mixtape Volume 1, where we're talking about the songs of the ascent, where these psalms were what they would uh, use by the people as they went to Jerusalem for these annual festivals and feasts, the Passover in spring, Pentecost in early summer, tabernacles in autumn, and they would sing these songs together as a family group or as, a, as they would journey along, and, and this helped them to focus their minds uh, on what the Lord had done for their nation. So today's psalm really seems like a response to someone's diss track. Taylor Swift has made a, uh, a lot of money uh, responding to other people's diss tracks with her diss tracks of her own. But this psalm really deals with somebody persecuting you. It deals with receiving cuts on the back. Instead of us responding to distracts of life with our own distract, the psalmist is giving us a proper perspective and a proper response. If we look at Psalm 129, it says, From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. My back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows, but the Lord is good. 
He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop, turning yellow when only half grown, ignored by the harvester, despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord bless you. We bless you in the Lord's name. There's several things I want you to see in this response today. And the first one is this. If you want to pull out your notes today from your bulletin, you can do that. Or you can go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app and follow along with me as well. But the first thing I want you to see is that persecution is not a new problem. Persecution is not a new problem. Did you see this in the very first line? He says, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let, let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Now, when you repeat something or when you want something repeated, what it really shows is that this is important. This is a level of importance that you need to know what is going on here. So the psalmist says, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted. Then he says this, he says, listen, I've said that, but I want all of Israel. I want everybody. I want, I want you to all say this. I mean, this is the early turn to your neighbor and say, you know what I'm talking about. He says, it, it, it's important. He wanted them to say it again, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. What he's saying is, listen, guys, this is not a new problem. This is not something that 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 has just been invented, and, and persecution is not a new problem. It's something that's been around. It's something that's going to be around. It's something that's here to stay. And when we say that word persecution, a lot of times here in America, uh, we don't really quite understand that. Because let's, let's be honest, our life here in America is not filled with a lot of persecution. I mean, we think just because somebody uh, gets sued because they didn't bake a cake because of, against their belief that we've been persecuted. But the reality is when we compare our level of persecution to what's happening around the world right now, it's not really, it's not really that deep. Each year, Open Doors International release updated statistics for persecution. In the year 2022, one, this is what they say, one in seven Christians are persecuted worldwide. In Africa, we just talked about sending a couple of our missionaries to Africa. In Africa, one in five Christians are persecuted. In Asia, that number goes to one in three. One in three, or I mean two in five, I'm sorry, two in five Christians are persecuted in Asia. That's, that's 40%. One in three is not quite 40%. So two in five, 40%. Are y'all with me this morning? Last year, in the year 2022, 5,621 Christians were murdered for faith-related reasons. 2,110 churches were attacked. 4,542 Christians were detained. They were arrested. They were detained. Persecution is not a new problem. And I want you to understand something, church. Just because we're not experiencing it now doesn't mean that it's not coming. 
Daniel was persecuted because of his faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were persecuted for their faith. Saul, he spent a time persecuting the early church until he had his Damascus Road experience. And then what happened? That God changed his name to Paul, and Paul spent the rest of his life being persecuted. Throughout history, the church has been persecuted. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, this is Jesus's words, it's right there in red letters. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. And since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. See, persecution is not a new problem. It was prophesied by the Messiah. Jesus even gave the reason. He says, it's not because they're rejecting you. No, we, we take it personal. We take this thing personal. Well, they hate me. They, no, they hate the Jesus that's inside of you. They hate the God that's inside of you. They hate what's going on in your life. And so when you begin to receive persecution, whether it's mild like we have in America or it's to the the level that they have overseas, when we begin to see this persecution, it's not that they're rejecting you. It's not that they're rejecting Hope Family Fellowship. It's not that they're rejecting any sort of church or movement. It's that they're rejecting God himself. That's a good place for an amen. I know this is not fun. I don't like talking about persecution, but it's in the Bible, so we have to talk about it, right? This is good news this morning. I want you to write this down. Persecution stings, but it doesn't defeat. Persecution stings, but it doesn't defeat us. Look at verse 2 again. He says, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. They talked some trash, they've thrown some stones, they've done some things against me, but they're not going to win. They're not going to defeat me. The psalmist says, he says, listen, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted. Let me say it again. I want everybody to repeat it is what he's saying. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but he lets them know that they will not defeat him. As it relates to persecution, we can either walk in victory or we can choose to walk in defeat. Oh, they're coming after me, Pastor. They don't like me at work because I'm a Christian. Because I say things about Jesus and they're, they're persecuting me, they're coming against me. Or are you going to walk around in defeat or are you going to walk around with those scars on your back as a trophy to the grace of God that's in your life? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Come on, somebody. See, as it relates to persecution, we can choose to walk in victory or we can walk in defeat. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Well, that's great, Pastor, but what about the 5,621 people that were murdered last year? for their faith. They won. They won. 
Church, they won. See, we can't keep score. We can't keep the scoreboard of Earth. The scoreboard of Earth says 5,621 people were murdered last year, but the scoreboard of Heaven says 5,621 people got to walk in through the gates of glory and got to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Because the end game is not on this planet Earth. The end game is that we win. We win. I've read the end of the book, Church, and we win. They won the greatest victory. Philippians. 120. I love the scripture. It says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. Whether we live, oh, let me pause right there. He said, whether I live or whether I die, I want my life to bring honor to Christ. And he goes on to say in verse 21, for to me, living means living for Christ. And I love this. And dying is even better. Oh, maybe your translation puts it like this, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I kind of like how this is because it says living means I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep doing what God has called me to do. I'm going to keep being a light in a dark world. And he said, but get this, guys, dying's even better because I get to go see Jesus. He says in verse 22, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Listen, for the sake of the person that's throwing stones at you, for the sake of the person that's trying to cancel you, let me tell you, that it's better that you stay on this earth and take those shots, take those stripes, take those scars, take those stings, because you will not be defeated, but they will spend eternity in hell unless we give them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So while we're on this earth, we can choose to walk in victory knowing that we know what happens happens at the end of the game. We know what happens at the end of time, that Jesus is the king of all kings and the Lord is all lords, that he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, and that there is going to be a meeting in the air, and there's going to be a sweet time when we come together, and church, we can encourage one another with those words, because this is not the end of our hope. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do in us for eternity. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. We can be pressed but not crushed because we win. We can be perplexed but not in despair because we win. We can be persecuted but not abandoned because we win. We can be struck down but not destroyed because we win. Because our power does not come from us. Our power does not come from us, but it comes from God Almighty who puts that power in us. Persecution may sting, and guess what, guys? It will sting, but it won't defeat us. I want you to see something this morning. Man, when I was reading this this week, it just came alive in my spirit. This is this, and I want you to see this in verse 3. He says, my back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. The scars of persecution remind us of the hope of salvation. Did, did, did this just remind you a little bit of Isaiah 53, verse 5, that he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his what stripes we are healed. 
My back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. It reminds us of how Jesus took the stripes on his back. Jesus endured the ultimate in persecution so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He has the scars to show his compassion for his creation. He has the stripes to show his love for you and me. Those scars of his persecution remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I love 1 Peter 4. It says in verse 12, dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. Oh, why, why is it that Christians, we act surprised when, 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 when people come against People come against us. When they attack Christianity, we, we act surprised. We act surprised when the world sins. What are sinners supposed to do? They're supposed to sin. And we act surprised when this happens. Oh, it's coming against me. And Peter said this. He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, now this doesn't make sense, but he said it. Be very glad. <laughs> Be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So the scars remind us that we will see his glory revealed. The sting reminds us that we're going to see him someday. The, the, the scars, the junk, the stuff, it reminds us that this is not the end for us, that there is hope in Jesus. We're not living for ourselves. We're living for God. Amen? So how do we get through persecution? How do we do it? Man, I wish I could give you uh, 12 steps right here, but, you know, what you have to do is you have to pray your way through the persecution. I want you to see this in the scripture this morning. He's been talking about how he's been persecuted. He's been talking about how he's been upset, you know, how he's had these stripes on his back and the, the, the furrows, the long furrows, the cuts. And in verse five, he turns it to a prayer. Verse 5, may all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop. Now, see, we don't, we don't really have that around these parts. But in their, they, they would use dirt and, and mud on their roofs back then. And so what would happen? Seed would get thrown up there, scatter, wind. And that seed would land on the rooftop and, and grass would grow. But because there wasn't enough uh, soil for it to, you know, take root, it would just wither and it would die real quickly. And so that kind of uh, plant or that kind of, if, if it was something to harvest, it wouldn't be harvested because it was worthless. He says in verse 7, ignored by the harvester, despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord bless you. We bless you in the Lord's name. Now listen, this is a raw prayer. Now I'm going to tell you, sometimes I've had to pray those raw prayers in my life. God, you're going to have to deal with them. Because my flesh is rising up right now and I want to take care of business myself. 
Have you seen this gal on, on the line that uh, is a Christian road, road rage? Maybe I've said this before. Have you seen the guy? He's online. He's on the reels, on the TikToks and all that kind of stuff. And he's like driving down the road and he's like, I bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, leave, move over. And G- I mean, you know, he's getting mad. He's getting frustrated. How many of you have a little road rage in your life? Any of you have any road, road rage in your life? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, come on. There's more than three of y'all. I see spouses like hitting their, hitting their, hitting their significant other right now. What, what are y'all talking about? Have some little road rage sometimes. This is a raw prayer. He doesn't try to take matters in his own hands, but he's saying, God, may all who hate Jerusalem, I'm, I'm saying, God, may they walk in defeat. In the case of outright persecution, in the, in the case of, of cancel culture, in the case of what we're facing right now in our world, in the body of Christ, sometimes the only thing we can do is just pray through it. God, we need your strength. God, we need your help. I, I want you to see something, church. We cannot use the enemy's tactics to defeat him. Let that sink in this morning. We cannot use the enemy's tactics to defeat him. We want to do that in, in, our, in our culture. We want, to, we want to fight back. We want to do those things. And you know what? What we need to do is we need to call on God because Ephesians 6.10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not in our own strength, not in our own ability. It says to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to do what? To stand firm. To stand firm. Our responsibility is to stand firm in the face of cancel culture, in the face of persecution, in the face of what's going on in our society right now, in all the stones that are being hurled, in all the words that are being said, in all the manipulation and the tactics and everything that the enemy wants to throw at us as a body of Christ. Our responsibility is to stand firm. It says against all strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly realm. So why are we trying to fight an earthly battle, a heavenly battle with earthly weapons? Why are we trying to fight a heavenly battle with earthly weapons? The weapons we fight with are not carnal. Come on, that's good, that's good. The weapons we fight with are not man-made, they're not carnal, but what are they? They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds is what the scripture teaches us. Our struggle is not against the person that's doing the persecuting, but the enemy that's pulling their strings. Listen, later in the same passage of scripture, Paul told the church at Ephesus to keep praying. Verse six, verse 18, he says, pray in the spirit at when? On Sunday morning, on the, during the 21 day of, of prayer and fasting, on Wednesday night when we gather together, when you have lunch and you gather your, your family together and you share a little bit of a meal, pray in the spirit then. No, he said pray in the spirit when? All times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And he says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news 
is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Now, I want you to see something right here because this puts it all in context. Verse 20, I am in chains now, still preaching the message as an ambassador, as God's ambassador. So pray, not pray that I get out of the chains, not pray that, that, that I'm comfortable through this process. No, he says, pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. He was in chains. He was bound up. He was being persecuted. Yet he still wanted to have the boldness to keep speaking the truth of God's word to people who needed to hear it. We should pray for those being persecuted, yes. We should pray for strength to walk through that persecution, yes. But we should pray that they would keep speaking boldly despite persecution because the very ones that are persecuting them will spend eternity in hell if they don't turn their their eyes to Jesus, if they don't accept him as their Lord and Savior. So we should pray for those that are doing the persecuting. Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus flipped the script. He said, listen, but I say, love your enemies. Well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. They're, they're like, like, I'm mad at them. Like they're, they're, they're saying mean things about me. They're, they're, they're causing problems. They're manipulating the situation. I'm, I'm not able to do this. They're taking business away from me because I'm a Christian. I can't do all this stuff. And he says, but I, I, I say this, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as a true as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Church, we're going to walk through persecution. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in my office and I got a phone call from a group that said, hey, we just want you to know that we're coming and we're, we're, we're giving you a heads up. We're going to come and uh, we are, we are uh, going to protest out in front of your church. I said, Why? They said, because your church doesn't do this, your church doesn't do that, your church doesn't do this, your church doesn't do that, your church has done this and done that. And I said, well, let me tell you, the person that you're describing, um, what we've done, we bought, a, we bought this particular person, uh, they weren't talking about a particular person, but they're talking about a particular kind of person. I said, I want you to know, we have some that have attended this church. In fact, we bought beds, bought a bed for one that, that needed, uh, needed a bed. We've helped them where they can help. We've never refused anyone. One of the attacks was, you've refused communion. Well, you obviously have not even uh, tuned into our stream because I've never told anybody uh, from front that you can't receive communion in our church. We practice open communion. So I calmly explained the situation to them. And they said, huh, 
okay, well, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're mistaken. I said, okay. So here's what I said. I got our staff together. I got our team together. I said, I want you to know that if they come, we're going to take water out to them. We're going to take the donuts that we have left over here. We're going to take those out to them, and we're going to bless them. We're going to pray for them. We're not going to get in a war, war of words, but we're going to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Because the scripture says, if we're only kind to our friends, how are we different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So here's Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. They've nailed his hands and his feet. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They've put the stripes on his back. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We're going to walk through persecution. Let me just help us this morning. It's not going to get easy, any easier. Oh, Pastor, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to give us good news this morning. You're supposed to help us this morning. You're, and you're telling us, listen, in our lifetime, it may not reach the level that it is in Asia right now where 40% of Christians are persecuted. It may not listen reach the level that it is in Africa right now. It may not reach the level that it is in Latin America right now, but I want you to know that we cannot walk defeated. We cannot walk like we, we've lost the game. We cannot walk around with our head hung low because everybody is against us. Listen, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords is on our side. God is on the throne. He's still on the throne. He's always been on the throne and he'll always be on the throne. And guess what? He is for us. He is not against us. Greater is he is in us than he that is in the world. And no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper, church. And I'm telling you that we can walk in victory because listen to this in Revelation 3 verse 10. It says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. He says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Listen, God's got a new name for you. God's got a new purpose and a new plan for you someday, and this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. Stand to your feet today and give him a proper praise this morning, church. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. God, we worship you today. We magnify your name. We magnify your name. Hallelujah. I love Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff will comfort me. You prepare for me a place a table in the presence of my enemies. And he said, "Good, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And what? I'm going to dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. There's only one way that we can have assurance that, that we're going to dwell in God's house forever, and that's to have a relationship with him. You say, Pastor, you're talking about this this morning. I don't, I don't know what I'm, I'm signing up for, but uh, let me tell you, God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's eternity in heaven. That's the good news. That's the hope of the world. So this morning, if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in a moment I'm going to count to three. If you're watching online today, we want you to respond by sending an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv or to write a comment in the comment section. If you're in the house this morning, when I count to three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're ready, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When I say three, would you lift your hand today? Father, we just thank you right now that you are, you are in this room. I pray that you would convict where conviction needs to take place right now. If somebody's watching online today, God, would you pierce their heart today? If you're in this room this morning, when I count to three, would you respond to God by raising your hand? One, two, three. Anybody here? Yes. Anybody else today? I'm ready to respond to God and give my heart to him. Come on, would you pray this prayer today? Would you say, dear Jesus? I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you give God praise today? How do you respond to this? Hey, if you're persecuted, come on down. We want to pray for you today. Now, here's how we respond. We respond today by doing what God said. Pray for those who persecute you. So we're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for the broken. We're going to pray for those that are our enemy that are against us. How else are we going to pray? We're going to pray for our missionaries, our friends that are around the world right now. Oh, let me just let me just call their names to you. And as I call them, would you just pick one out so that when we pray here in just a moment that that you'll understand that that these are people that are that are living in areas that are living in areas where persecution is heavy. Jimmy and Priscilla Abrams. Robert and Naomi Kayazo. The Doherty's in West Africa, heavy persecution in that place. My friend, I've known him since I was in middle school. His nephew is my best friend, Gerald and Jane Dollar, on the front lines of a war in Ukraine. And instead of coming home, we're continuing to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to a culture that needs him. That's what you support every month. The elders in Africa, the Fogelmans in Africa, the Freemans in Africa, the Henrys in Africa, the Hofferts on the campus of Texas A&M, the Jesters, Jacob and Christine Jester, raising up a generation of missionaries to go into Africa. That's the calling. They have a goal of over 400 new missionaries in the next few years, and they're on the front lines of recruiting and training those. The Lungus in Moldova, 
also on the front line of a war. The Martins who just went back to Mexico, the, the Maros who are in Uruguay, the Newmans who are right outside of this church that are in Scotland. Right down the road, Cattle Mills, there's a, there's a ranch called Lonesome Dove Ranch where they, they reach foster kids and do camps for foster kids and, and minister to them through retreats and the priors are running that ranch and you're a part of what God's doing there. In Cambodia right now, Drew and Haley Sellers, Brandon Newman's daughter, Brandon and Melissa's daughter, connection to this church in Cambodia. I just talked with them uh, through Instagram just a couple of days ago, getting settled. It's about to start language school so that they can learn the language, so they can minister there. Pray for them, church. John and Rachel Stout, you guys know them. They were mercy chefs for a while doing disaster relief, but God laid on our heart for them to do a work in South Dallas, and they started an organization called Runner's Refuge, and God has blessed it. They now have campuses in Alamogorda, New Mexico, and New Orleans, Louisiana, and have just been gifted in the last year a ranch a camp outside of New Boston, Texas, just down the road where they're about to open it up as a as a, a uh, alcohol and drug addiction center where people will be able to come, where men and women will be able to come and get set free and, and, and go through the detox process and get completely set free and their lives change and you get to be a part of that every month. Youngs who are in a sensitive country that I can't even give their first and last name right now, but just know that they're living in a place where God needs missionaries to stand up and speak the gospel. The young bloods who are on the campus of TCU, also organizations like BGMC, Calcutta Mercy, Builders International, where we're giving a thousand dollars this year to Builders International to help reach the Buddhist people. Fire Bible, we gave $3,500 to Fire Bible already this year. Light for Lost, Global University, the Arab World Bible College, teaching people about Jesus in the Arab world. And speed the light. Church, I'm asking you to pray for those that are in those hard areas. I'm asking you to pray for those who persecute you. I'm asking you to pray for those who persecute the greater church. Come on, would you join me in a concert of prayer right now? Father, we come boldly before you. Come on, raise your voice today, church. We come boldly before your throne, God. Lord, many of these missionaries I count in hope partners around the world, I count as personal friends. I've served with them in youth camps. I've, I've, I've served with them on committees. I've served with them in places. I've gone to school. I've gone to Southwestern with them, many of them, God. And I just ask right now that you would pour your blessing out upon them, God, that you'd give them divine favor. And I pray that those that come against them, God, that their mouths would be silent in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that what the enemy means for harm, that, God, you will turn it into good. I pray that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I pray right now, God, for every person, Lord, that comes against the body of Christ. Lord, whether it's a politician, a musician, an actor, whether it's the next door neighbor, whether it's an administrator, whether it's a boss, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a friend or a family member, I pray, God, that they would see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that we would let our light shine so much for men that they would see our good works and glorify God. I pray, God, that you would use us to be your hand extended. 
God, in the face of persecution, that we can stand firm. God, that we understand that we're victorious, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realm. We stand firm on your word to know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We stand firm knowing that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We understand, God, that the weapons we fight with are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds because we can be pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed because the power of Jesus Christ, the same power that raised him from the dead, dwells in us. God, and I pray today that you would use us to be a hope in this world, to give hope in this world. And God's people said, amen. Come on, give me praise one more time today, church. Hallelujah. We have, we've never done it this way before. Never done it this way before. You know what I'm talking about? Never done it. We've never done 21 days of prayer and fasting in August since I've been the pastor of this church. And so what I want to say to you is that God is good. Amen. And I want to challenge you today to pick one of these up. Steve, you're going to be at the back with it, with this. If you could pick one of these up today, and we're going to we're going to help you uh, grow uh, in your faith. If you if you forget one, go to connectedhope.com, click on that button, and you can follow along with us uh, there. This starts today, so find a place today at some point to do day one. Day one scripture is this. Then he asked, and I'm going to paraphrase, who do people say I am? Some say this, some say that. But who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, man, you got it right, Peter. And I'm going to tell you, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So take some time, study that out, read it, observe, write it down, pray, and then use the prayer points each day. And then Wednesday night, we're going to come together. The next three Wednesday nights, we're coming together for a time of prayer. I'm going to ask you to come, church. Listen, I know, I know it's hard. I know you got things going on. I know this is terrible timing. I get it. I get it. I have a lot of educators here. Y'all have to forgive me. I'm just doing what the Lord... I feel in my heart the Lord wants me to do. I get it. School's going to start on a Wednesday. I know my friends at Cooper, uh, they're going back to school this week. I know some of them already are going back to school. I, I understand that. Make it a priority to be here. 7 to 8 o'clock on, on Wednesday night, we're going to seek the face of God together because I believe prayer changes things. Listen, we got some great things on the horizon as a church, but I'm not, I'm not looking for what God is going to do a year from now, two years from now, I want to be a part of what he wants to do today. Amen? Amen. Our kids are at the back door. They look awesome. They've got their buckets that are ready uh, to collect your change. they got uh, offering plates to collect your change today So uh, for BGMC. So if you'll drop that in on your way out, be sure to stop by, see Steve, get a devotional. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray that you would bless your church that you would keep them, that you'd make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.